You're listening to Enterprise Asset Intelligence, powered by ThingTech, your industry leaders on how to command and control your entire asset ecosystem. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Enterprise Asset Intelligence Podcast, brought to you by ThingTech. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. All right, everyone. So this is the first episode of the Enterprise Asset Intelligence Podcast. And I'm super excited to set the tone for how this whole series is going to play into the IoT world and how it's going to highlight the interconnected technologies of the modern business world. It's going to be a great conversation to start it all off, really because I think we're going to get to the core of what IoT is and what it can really do for businesses. I think when IoT gets brought up, especially in podcasts and these kinds of conversations, we often talk about the varied industry applications for IoT, innovations in IoT, how the Internet of Things is utilizing tangential tech like AI and blockchain to continually drive the industry forward. And for good reason. It's all great uh, conversation and it makes for really interesting B2B thought leadership. But the common thread that I see that binds all of these conversations together is always coming back to how does this affect the business owner and what can they get out of it and to pad the bottom line or to increase ROI and get some tangential benefits today. Well, that's what the whole conversation is focused on today. I'm looking forward to chatting on it, on how to roll out practical and pragmatic IoT solutions for businesses regardless of size. So I'd like to welcome Tim Quinn, CEO and co-founder of ThingTech. Tim, great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, very good. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So... Tim, this is episode one of Enterprise Asset Intelligence. What are you looking forward to with this entire ThingTech podcast? What are some some points of conversation you hope to explore, people you hope to have on? What's your vision? Well, no, yeah, we really want to um, help simplify this concept of IoT or in the industrial IoT. So, it sounds scary for many users. And what we've seen in the industry, uh, Daniel, is um, many of our customers are uh, the folks that we speak with really don't know how to get started. And I think um, uh, many in the industry, good or bad, have done some things to maybe over-engineer or over make the, the concept of IoT a little bit more complex than it really is. So what we really hope to get out of this podcast is really educate um, the, the listeners on how to start that digital transformation journey and um, really discuss some basic concepts and then really focus on the, what we consider the most important um, element of IoT is, is data. But more importantly, how do you create actionable data to solve real world operational problems? And that's really what's so exciting, right, is that we're seeing data finally become accessible through technologies like the Internet of Things through things like uh, more accessible AI um, and machine learning that are really bringing data to your average business owner and letting them utilize it in a way that, you know, I mean, maybe even a few years ago could have been seen as unimaginable. No, that's that's absolutely correct. And, you know, when we look at uh, some of the problems that we're solving and we look at uh, kind of two when we look at kind of the inherent aspects of uh, IoT and um, when we look at kind of the important things, there are three main concepts around things, you know, things that are out in the field generating data. That data is uh, through a connected device, 
capturing location data, diagnostic data, utilization data, performance data, even safety type data. But these things, whether it's a vehicle, a piece of equipment, a medical device, um, it has all it has one thing in common. It is all generating data. But then how do we connect these things through a wired uh, communication infrastructure, wireless, low powered wide area network, and then bring that back to a platform? And there's been a lot of discussion on platforms. But what we really want to focus on, which we think the inherent value is the business applications of uh, of really uh, automating workflows, automating processes that might be manual, um, accessing data that's been generated for years, but that our users didn't have access to. So um, when we look at kind of what we're doing and the value that we bring is really focusing on that deep vertical business application around Asset management, maintenance, inspection, and capital planning is really where uh, we see the inherent value in in the markets that we serve. So let's stay on this conversation point here. Um, in a broad sense, how have you seen IoT impact the efficiency of companies, regardless of industry? So you know, in what ways uh, over the last few years have you seen it? really give some of that power back to the business owner and let them utilize that data that maybe they've had for years, but haven't really been able to turn into actionable insights? No, that's a great question. You know, really at the highest level, if you if we combine the results that we've seen and, and even use some um, industry data in terms of ROI, and, and Daniel, at the end of the day, whether it's IT or whether it's IoT, it's still about ROI in terms of the investments that our customers want to make. But what we're seeing at really at the highest level, um, we're seeing in the area of 46% improvement of asset utilization and reliability, um, which is a big deal for our customers. Our customers' business uh, depend on how assets are utilized and the reliability of those assets. So for a construction company uh, to only have their equipment available 60% of the time, that impacts their bottom line. Um, when we look at even employee productivity and making the um, the employee or the field technician or the supervisors smarter by providing them better data and more accurate data, what we're seeing is almost a 50% uh, improvement in productivity at the employee side in terms of being able to do uh, their work much more effectively and much more efficiently. Um, and then the, the other area that we tend to focus on and what we're seeing, again, at the highest level, rolling up statistics from multiple customers, um, we're really seeing on an average about a 44% reduction in operating costs for the equipment and the machines that we're monitoring and managing uh, for our customers. So, the, uh, the, the, the impact and the return on investment is really significant. And I think what's particularly interesting about the perspective you're bringing to this conversation is that you've been in the industry for more than 25 years now. So you really have gotten to see IoT in its beginning phases um, and really gotten to play with connected devices as they've become more accessible and obviously more useful. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on that growth. What aspects of IoT technology have remained and have grown and then on the other end, what has proven itself to just be kind of a surface level fad that people were really excited about for IoT, but turns out that's really not the best way to use it or it wasn't actually that useful? Well, that's a great question. So, as you mentioned, you know, I've, I've been in, the, in this industry, the connected device, machine to machine for 
over 25 years and starting out doing custom systems integration with the, uh, the Department of Defense, uh, integrating SCADA systems in the 90s, and then moving into the machine-to-machine -machine, uh, world, which was a predecessor, of course, to this concept of IoT. So I have seen the trends, but what has what's remained has not changed over 30 years is the fact that um, access to data and the ability to generate information from that data has always been the core goal. Now, what we've seen is over the, you know, over the really last past five years, uh, from a trend perspective, is the cost to access that data has gone down substantially, whether it's the wireless data feeds, whether it's the uh, actual physical device itself. Um, we've also seen uh, trends in this concept of open and published APIs by the OEMs, which makes it much easier for us to integrate other third-party data uh, devices or sensors, as well as more standard and published um, protocols, whether it's MQTT, whether it's the, for vehicles, the J1939 standard, the unified architecture for machines. Those protocols have allowed us to be able to build very agnostic uh, connectors to bring all this data in a, into a very uh, uh, into a single pane of glass for our users. That's that's been consistent from from the '90s, doing you know even doing custom systems integration jobs for large uh, military uh, uh, organizations. Some of the fads I would say we've seen, um, you know, and, and I'm very biased. And um, what we've seen, um, when I say biased, I'm, I'm biased to the industrial side of IoT because um, I honestly think there's tremendous more opportunities for value on the industrial side for businesses versus the consumer side. And I'm not, I don't want to be negative towards the consumer side, but we've seen things like wearables come through that um, didn't necessarily meet the height that uh, it could have, whether it's the Google Glass for the field technician, although I think there's value down the line for that. Um, you know, so, but from a, from a, you know, a trend perspective, what we've seen, and um, I think one of the biggest areas I've seen in, in terms of this industry's failure is the focus on a, an, a single application for a single device. What I mean by that is, if you have 25 types of machines or types of assets or things out in the world, our users did not or do not want 25 separate applications right. for the access of all that data, for the capturing, processing, and transforming of that data. What our customers were asking for is, I want one single platform with vertical applications that can bring in many types of devices, many types of sensors, and manage many and monitor many types of things all in one single place. Which is why I think at least towards the beginning of the connected device world, uh, and you still see it today, companies roll out their black box all-in-one solution because it has that convenience of, okay, this has everything I'm going to need, and you know it interacts with other devices and networks from the same company. But what we've got today, especially with how people build out the IoT in their home that they're becoming more uh, accustomed to, it's not black box solutions. It is open source. It is sensors that can interact with a multitude of different apps for better or for worse. And so now I think what we're seeing is consumers want the flexibility of buying whatever device works for them, but they want the hub to have the convenience and 
the accessibility of a black box solution. So I think it's really pushing the industry towards being more open source with their technology. Uh, would, would you agree with that? And if so, how have you seen that continue to evolve through the 25 years you've been in the industry? Uh, Daniel, no, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And what we've seen is, um, you know, again, from our perspective with our users and our customers and the uh, folks we sell to and market to, what, we're, what we have seen is, um, you know, these multiple types of devices supporting a very open and published um, API on the firmware side. And what, um, what, what we have done internally with, with our solution is we've built a very open, published platform that allows any device or any sensor to connect to that platform and then we normalize the data that comes in from that, that information, so from the data that we're processing. So whether you're an environmental sensor capturing air quality or water filtration information from a, a, a water system in a restaurant, whether it's a medical device capturing utilization data from an imaging machine or whether you're a piece of construction equipment, all that data, it's coming to us in a very consistent and normalized fashion. And what we do with it is then, uh, since it is open and, and, and the APIs are published for many of the OEMs, not all of them, um, what that allows us to do is really mix and match different types of devices and sensors to meet the specific needs of the operations. So, and there is a fallacy, I think, in the IoT world that everything has to be real time. That's not necessarily true. Um, um, as an example, we have customers that have uh, large trailers or containers uh, that are sitting on job sites that um, are out in the middle of the desert at an oil and gas facility. But we really don't need to stream data from a container. What we need to do is if that container wakes up and it moves off site, wake up, tell me it's moving off site and then track it in real time in what we call recovery mode. So what we've been able to do is really build this open published platform to be able to capture multiple types of devices and sensor data, bring it back, normalize it, and give it context. But we mix and match it based on the specific need, um, which is really kind of our, that's kind of our secret sauce in terms of how, how we do that. And how has this push towards open source, towards not limiting uh, the end user with what sensors they can use and how they use them, how has that contributed to this technology becoming more useful to a business owner? Oh, it's, it's probably in the top three in terms of value, in terms of um, not just value, but adoption. And um, so now the, with the advent of uh, these new protocols and these new standards, and this thing called MQTT is one of them, of course, which is now an ANSI standard, the fact that we can publish, we can generate one connector for, say, MQTT or OBD2 or J1939, whatever that standard may be, the fact that we can write three to five and support three to five different types of standards literally gives us access to hundreds, if not thousands of different types of devices and sensors and machine connectivity that literally five years ago, six years ago, was a custom systems integration effort every time we had to do it, um, if, the, if it was proprietary from the manufacturer. So I think the manufacturers are getting smarter. And um, I think the uh, platform and software providers like ThinkTech are also getting smarter in terms of making sure that we all play well in the sandbox. 
at the end of the day, that's the that's that's the way that the customer gains value is by all of us playing well in the sandbox and delivering a really connected, seamless experience to the user. And during those 25 years that you've spent in this industry, you spent a lot of time handling technology that was specifically focused toward asset management. When you were working on those kind of technologies, what did you learn about the ways that IoT could be expanded upon to bring efficiencies to business backends? You know, what what about the asset management needs started to ripple out to, ah, this is actually a useful concept or theme that can be applied to any industry or any business? Well, that's a great question. So, you know, for the first, you know, 15, 20 years of my life, you know, we're really capturing lots of data and we're capturing lots of data. We're presenting the data very nice, very visually, very visually, very geospatially. The maps were beautiful, um, but that it kind of stopped there. And what we what we realize at ThinkTech is that capturing the data is one thing, but then transforming that into action is another. And then when we say transforming that into action is you know integrating other types of um, applications or building our platform to support other types of use cases, primarily around things like a work order management, you know, um, if we capture data from a machine that says it's about to fail, can we? Why don't we generate? Go ahead and predictively generate a work order, assign it to a technician, and dispatch that technician to that location to solve the problem now or do the maintenance. And by the way, let's deliver with that work order all the information he or she would need to resolve that issue: schematics, uh, directions, you know, images of what that machine is um, to help solve that problem now. Um, the you know the the big area that we, we're seeing uh, tons of value in is although it's a little bit mundane is you know automating the maintenance processes whether it's preventive maintenance processes but then turning preventive maintenance processes into predictive maintenance so if we're capturing all the information from these machines or equipments around utilization diagnostics can we blend that data with with maintenance information, you know, mm. show me the historical maintenance trends or maintenance cost, or what are the patterns on the maintenance side of this? Can we blend that data to really start pre- building smart, predictive maintenance and predictive uh, asset failure models for our users, um, and then blend that into their capital planning requirements? So when I say capital planning, you know, use all this data we've captured over m- many years and blend that with maintenance information, inspection information, condition assessment data, and then help me automate my capital planning requirements. So I'm not buying 20 to 30% more equipment than I need, or I'm not buying enough equipment. I mean, give, give back data that allows the equipment manager or the asset manager to really make uh, data-driven uh, decisions based on all this historical data, utilization data, diagnostic data, but blend it with these other systems to give it better context are the, is the values that we're seeing uh, with our customers in terms of this, this whole concept around um, IoT. And I think another great example of this technology at work is with predictive analytics and machine learning. The fact that IoT is not only being used to give reactive feedback in real time, but also look forward and provide predictive analysis for maintenance, um, for operational efficiencies, um, for you know uh, 
for just general ROI for a company. Could you break down some examples of how you're seeing IoT be put to work in this way? Um, and yeah, how is that exciting for business owners, regardless of industry? No, no, absolutely. So, you know, you know, Daniel, as you know, data is only data uh, until it's analyzed or processed, you know, so and transformed really through what we what we call a rules engine or a workflow engine that generates uh, actions through what we call our action engine. But, you know, without the ability to really process and transform that data, you know, this huge data resource is simply just a a massive, large amount of data, right? So, what we're seeing from a, even from a, a use case perspective, we'll take an example, a recent example of one of our um, more innovative customers that uh, they're deploying. They're they're one of the nation's largest refrigerated pallet shippers that has a refrigerated container that uh, transports the con- you know high value pharmaceuticals. Uh, medicines, you know, blood, things of that nature, very expensive uh, products. They were using the really a wrong system. They were using a you know a vehicle tracking GPS system, but really what they really needed from their challenge perspective, they needed to monitor that 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 device, that thing throughout the entire supply chain, or what's called the cold chain, for temperature, battery power, inlet pressure, outlet pressure. Uh, fatal diagnostics, but what they really needed, to, they, they, what they needed to monitor was, you know, that thing, the, the the status and state of that thing through the entire cold chain. But what they also needed, which their current outdated legacy solution had no capabilities to provide, was mm-hmm. really to remotely monitor and remotely control that. When I say that, we're, a lot of you know, business users are focused on capturing data you know, from the device or machine itself, but there's an, it's a two-way street. We need to be able to collect data from a device, but we also need to connect to that device or machine to, to manage it and monitor and control it. When I say that, you know, can I, in this particular case, we can connect to it to uh, raise the temperature, reboot the machine, issue it any command as if I'm standing in front of the interface itself on the machine. And what they also needed to make sure that that we did is we managed it at the edge. And that's 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 a big uh, topic that we'll, that we that probably needs more discussion. But managing things at the edge in a totally disconnected state is a big deal. When I say disconnected state, if I'm if my device is not connected to the cloud. You know, can I still control that machine? Well, you should be able to use an edge computing throughout that entire cold chain. So, what we've really done for them is completely re-engineered their business. So, rather than having 100 technicians that need to go out in the field to maintain and manage those uh, 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 those containers that it's very expensive, they can have two or three, maybe four, in a command and control center, remotely monitoring, commanding, and controlling those machines. Um, you know, in real time. So there's some, you know, there's some tons of value around that. And, and, and the interesting thing with this particular client, Daniel, is that they were really looking for an IOT solution. They were just looking yeah. for a solution that helped them solve that problem. Right. They probably didn't know what IOT stood for, but they, the, the IOT solution we provided really solved their problem. And I like that phrasing, right? That, Business owners often aren't even looking for IoT. It's not like they're waking up every morning like, oh, how do we get IoT into our business model? Like that's that's not really something that is 
driving a lot of these businesses forward, whether we're talking in construction and manufacturing and retail. Though they might be aware of the technology, it's not like they're itching for that technology specifically. It's what you said. They're looking for solutions to these important efficiency problems, to maintenance problems, to uh, padding that bottom line, to increasing ROI. Um, little things that are really plaguing them and really keeping them down as a business can be solved with IoT. And so it's bringing it more in as a tool and a solution instead of a an exciting grand technology that, oh, this is, this is going to revolutionize your business. It's more like, no, this is going to solve that issue you've been having and here's why you're absolutely right daniel and it's funny so you know for for most for many organizations that we deal with you know this concept of iot can sound a bit scary it can sound you know oh this internet of things i don't even know what that means but from our perspective what we want to describe it as really if, if we describe it as the business solution or what the expected outcome should be such as rather than iot Platform, we describe it as a real time asset performance monitoring solution, which is a combination of IoT, data analytics, rules, workflows, business processes, and insight with really recognizable, actionable, and quantifiable value. It makes more sense to the end user if we speak if we speak in those types of terms. And that's really at the end of the day how we're trying to make it more pragmatic and um, a more practical from a, a, not just an implementation perspective, but an adoption perspective as well. All right. So let's get to the final core of this conversation, which is making sense of this for the business owner. Integrating IoT, I think, is the most difficult part for the business owner to wrap their head around. Um, you, know, you can walk them through all these wins. You can show them the technology is useful and how it will uh, solve their specific issues. But I still think there is a general worry around, okay, well, how am I supposed to manage this data? How am I supposed to analyze this data? How does it not just become another overwhelming chore? Even if there are benefits, how am I supposed to do this? So, how do you communicate these wins to the business owner in a way that makes sense? That, that's a great question, and you know, it, it, and again, it's 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 about the data, but more importantly, it's about the information that's presented to the user. And we do have a bit of a philosophy is uh, around, um, you know, what what the normal end user or the business use, uh, owner really wants is the exceptions to the data. Right. I mean, 95 percent of their business is running very well, very effective, very efficient. It's the 5 percent that causes really massive problems or challenges, whether it's equipment failure, um, technicians that are in the wrong location at the wrong time with the wrong set of tool sets. Um, so what our focus on is really providing exceptions uh, and except exception reporting and ex uh, exception dashboards that really present the data based on the user persona, what's important to them in a very effective and efficient manner. So if I would log in as a maintenance user that's in charge of maintaining equipment, I'm going to see the data that's important to me, overdue work orders, uh, potential asset failures based on the data we've co collected, inspections that have not been performed properly. If I log in as a different type of user, whether it's a, um, a, a safety manager, I need to see things as it relates to my job, not to right. the maintenance manager's job. I need to, these assets are performing unsafe. These assets are unauthorized use. This asset or this machine is being operated at a time when it should not be operated on 
whatever that may be, we present that data in a dashboard through our uh, visualization and our dashboard tools to give the user the exact data that they want. And by the way, it's very flexible and very configurable um, to each user. So um, the one thing I'll mention about our platform, what we've really developed is the, uh, the ability to really configure it and scale it based on the user persona's data needs, which is a big deal. The last thing I'll mention is everything needs to be mobile. So if what I can get on my mobile, on, on the web console, I need to have access on my mobile phone. Our vision, Daniel, is to, uh, for an asset manager, equipment manager, fleet manager, VP of operations, be able to control their assets out in the world in their hand. You know, whether it's issuing a command or whether finding the status or state of it, but really managing everything from a command and control center on their mobile phone. I like the idea of differentiating the data per department. That's, I feel like a no brainer, right? I mean, that's how you communicate this to the business owner and to each of the subsects of that company in a way that is tangible. Um, same with same with the ease of access on an app, right? Uh, giving you a centralized hub with a great user experience that doesn't make it difficult to look at the data, to analyze the data, and is obviously open source and easy to interact with a variety of different sensors. No, absolutely. And just as a kind of... Um as an example, we have one customer that has over uh, over 130 different departments. Each one of those departments have different missions. Each one of those departments have different uh, needs from a business perspective. And each one of those departments need to have different user roles, rights, and permissions to access data. So being having a platform allows us to configure that, model different rules for different departments, model different workflows, different actions, so that the department when I log in as, say, this inspection department, it looks and feels like my department's inspection app versus my department's maintenance app. So we're very, very flexible around that. And um, to not to, you know, you know to steal from uh, Henry Ford, you know, w- you, know, you, you know, the concept of you can have uh, uh, any color as long as it's black is not something that we've adopted. We've really made this very uh, flexible and scalable for our users because that's what they demand. So what is the best way to train and to get past the, albeit minimal, tech barriers of utilizing IoT to its fullest extent? How do you structurally build out just a step-by-step process to get business owners acquainted with the technology, acquainted with how to analyze IoT and really turn them into masters from novices in a quick turnaround? That's a great question. And we've spent a lot of time and resources on uh, trying to perfect this. And what we've done, Daniel, is um, we serve um, three to four vertical markets that have very specific needs. They all have very similar use cases, but the specifics of those use cases are slightly different. So what we've built are industry, what we call vertical applications. Those vertical applications or those vertical templates um, are pre-configured for the types of things that they typically maintain or manage. So whether it's a vehicle, whether it's construction equipment, whether it's a facility or whether it's industrial equipment. So what we've done is built these templates. And so for each vertical solution, we start with a template that looks and feels very similar to their industry. In terms of language, 
uh, semantics, things that uh, they need. But we also package around that the specific rules that go with that, that industry, the specific workflows or the common workflows and the common actions with that industry. And then we also package up you know, the standard reporting packages and the dashboard packages for that industry. Then we wrap that in our onboarding process um, that is delivered through multiple methods, uh, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one training or uh, classroom type training in some cases for larger enterprise customers. But yeah. to get ramped up quickly, we're using computer-based training built into the application, um, video training, and um, kind of best practice adult uh, learning methods uh, packaged directly into the application. So, the users log in, they click on a button, walks them through their uh, training that's appropriate for their persona, uh, walks them through the steps, gets them to the proper place, and guides them to the areas that they need to master as it relates to their job, not everybody's job. And then once they're in app and they're actually utilizing it, uh, what are some of the ways that you've crafted the design, that you've crafted the general uh way that they can interact with the data to make it really seamless and to make it almost a learn as you go process to where they don't feel like they have to take, you know, hours and hours of classes to really become a master at this. It's something that they can feel the impact of immediately and kind of grow as they learn. Uh, so w w what we've implemented via our user experience kind of program, um, we, we like to discuss thing, a concept called progressive disclosure. And progressive disclosure is really is we're presenting the user with at the highest level. Here's the base da data as it relates to your persona, what you need to see. Here's a summary of what you need to do or what are issues that could be uh, impacting your job. What progressive disclosure allows us to do from a design perspective is the more detail that you want, you drill in to get more detail. So, um, you know, so we're going to we're going to present the, the high level concepts and the issues that are impacting your organization. But if you want to drill down to more details and do more detailed functions, because your job requires that, we progressively disclose that information as you need it. So it makes it very easy. So if I'm the vice president of operations, I just want to see a global uh, uh, dashboard on all my operations, all my assets, all my equipment out in the world in terms of the KPIs I'm monitoring. But as I drill down, if I'm a different type of user, I might just want to see tactical, very, very tactical things because that's my job. I don't really care about the high level things. I care about what work orders need to be done today, what inspections are overdue. So we're going to progressively disclose that information to you so you can then start from there to drill down to the details. So that's just a design methodology and user experience methodology that we've adopted. And it seems to work out quite well. All right. To put a bow on things, Tim, what do you see for some of the future wins for IoT in the business world? What are some industries or just general words of wisdom or advice that you have for businesses, big or small, uh, for how they might get use out of IoT today, in the future, or just around the corner? No, that's a great, that's a great question, Daniel. So, well, obviously, we, we look at IoT or digital transformation uh, and, and the things around that as really becoming part of a business's competitive edge. When I say competitive edge, um, uh, you know, how do you continue to stay competitive in a world that demands 
real-time information for almost anything, especially as the younger generation comes uh, comes up. The, the demand for having real-time information now about a product or service that you're delivering is going to become a uh, an industry requirement over the next five to 10 years. So, um, the guidance, whether you're a small uh, business or a, um, you know, SMB or enterprise organization, you know, understanding, you know, what are the biggest challenges you have from, a, from a asset management, equipment management, maintenance management perspective, and then identifying the areas we can get the biggest bang for the buck to solve your most challenging problems first but ensuring that you have a scalable solution that can grow with you as this industry grows. Cause, um, Daniel, you know, this industry ch- is changing. It changes every other year in terms of new communication methods, new devices, new sensors, new things. So creating a, you know, creating a, um, a plan around your quote unquote IOT or digital transformation journey, um, I think is quite important. And then making sure that I don't want to say future proof, but to make sure you select a solution and platform that can extend and that can grow with you is going to be a big, uh, I think, an important decision. And also selecting a partner that will work with you as you grow and as your business needs change, um, work with you collaboratively to make sure that you're you're collecting the data that you need and you're generating the actions that provide the biggest value to your organization so you can remain com- uh, competitive and at the end of the day, create a more connected customer experience. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that. So uh, connecting this data to the customer um, is, is critical, giving them insight into how the, the, the products or the equipment that uh, you're u- using for them is uh, being deployed and, and um, uh, executed on. Right. That's the end all be all. If the client can feel it, if the customer can feel that power of IoT, interconnected devices, predictive analytics, data, all that good stuff immediately, then you know you've done something right. Absolutely. All right, Tim, thank you so much for joining us on this first episode of the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to chat with you to set the tone for the kind of information we're wanting to break down, the kind of conversations we're wanting to have. What are you looking forward to to talking about in the future? Well, I think uh, uh, moving forward, talking about how some details of how this technology, the ThinkTech platform and our products can actually be deployed to the end user and to the to our potential customers and really uh, discussing some of the details around uh, some of our uh, customer case studies and success that we have shown. And we, we I think we have done a really good job, Daniel, on on proving out that IOT or, or your digital transformation process does not have to be overly complex and overly engineered, and it can be streamlined to make it less, quote unquote, scary. All right, Tim, thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this first episode of the Enterprise Asset Intelligence Podcast brought to you by ThingTech. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to thingtech.com slash blog, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.